Welcome, one and all, to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 election and its aftermath and all future events, both in this world and all other worlds. I am one of the hosts of this podcast. My name is David, and I'm joined by my friend Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. And uh, he's getting away. Already oh, he's standing coming back. Up. Hey, hey. Standing up, and now he's back. And who who do we have on the line? John, John, Long John Silver here. Long John Silver. Way down south in North Kakalaka. Long John, you watched that new movie on Netflix called Hillbilly Elegy written by Ron Howard, America's child prodigy director. He directed it. J.D. Vance wrote it. J.D. Vance of, of Peter Thiel's venture capitalist firm. I have not seen it. No one more qualified to speak on the trials and travails of the people of Appalachia. Criticize their dead end culture. No, I didn't watch Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> I I heard it was really bad. And also, I don't trust Ron. Okay, Ron Howard is on Starly. In my mind, I have a little blacklist of directors and public personalities. And one column is do not trust. And Ron Howard is firmly in the do not trust. Why? Why? Yeah. I like him. I like him too. A beautiful mind. A beautiful mind? Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm taking it way back. You think I'm a humorless PC scold now? You should have seen me whenever a beautiful mind came out. So back when a beautiful mind came out, I was living my life with a mental health professional, and she hated that movie because she felt like it kind of glamorized mental illness. And in an interview, Ron Howard was asked about this criticism, and he said the dumbest thing, I, the most Hollywood dumb thing I've ever heard someone say. He said, "Well, if I'm guilty." I'm guilty of giving people hope. Fuck you. Never, you should never give people hope. That's totally irresponsible. So Ron Howard has forever been on my do not trust list. If you don't, if you don't like Beautiful Mind, that means you would like Charlie Kaufman's I'm thinking of ending things, which has a always turning it back around to the vice presidential markets and the Charlie Kaufman camp. (laughs) (laughs) It has a whole beautiful mind theme. Oh, really? Yeah. Beautiful Mind features prominently in really? I'm Thinking of Ending Things in a way that I think you would appreciate and enjoy. Charlie Kaufman, I might have to give you a second look, old friend. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. Now, John, I love this. I, we're pivoting to showbiz talk, obviously. While I was um, stealing up the courage to watch a hillbilly elegy based on a bestseller by J.D. Vance, John went all the way in on something called The Queen's Gambit, which is about a young woman who plays chess for psychological reasons. Welcome to Election Chess Opening Masters, your guide to the Pukinski Method opening, the Kapinski opening. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like something that's real. John, have you finished the series? I did. I finished it last night. And what's your review of The Queen's Gambit? It was disappointing. It, it's not great. It's not great. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's dramatic. I don't think it's the greatest show that's ever been made, which apparently— Wait, a, what? A, a, well, I mean, everything I'm reading is that it's one of the best shows ever. No way. No one is saying that. I, I read the trades more than anybody else in this podcast. I'm always reading the trades for the latest news about my career or anybody else's career that I can glom onto. What are they saying? They said that it's been watched more than anything else in Netflix history, but I don't think the critics have liked The Queen's Gambit. I thought the critics said it was kind of lame. Netflix has changed people's brain chemistry where they can no longer evaluate what is good and what is bad. They just watch and then 
They like they're comparing Netflix shows now to other Netflix shows uh, that that aren't good. They're comparing mediocre Netflix shows to other mediocre Netflix shows. So when a mediocre Netflix show meets the criteria of the previous mediocre Netflix show, they think that makes it quality. Well, Starley, have you seen this? Will will you see it? I started watching. I watched half of the pilot. Um I suspected, I don't like the look of it. I don't like the look of the Netflix shows. I don't like that filter that is applied to the Netflix shows. I told you there was a freaking flashback filter. Yeah. I hate the flashback filter. But I don't like the filter of all of it. I don't like the way the shows look. As soon as she was laying in bed and looked at the chessboard on her ceiling, I was like, this is Netflix. This is such a Netflix <laughs> visual. She had a chessboard on her ceiling? Yeah. She like she's laying in bed and she's got she's given her special pills, I guess, that if you take at night, it makes oh, you Oh, tell uh, me she hallucinates a chessboard like a in a beautiful mind. Yes. Yes. All I'll right. take beautiful mind over the chessboard on the ceiling. Cause I use as schlocky as Beautiful Mind is, I I refer to it in my mind often. It's in there. It isn't. It's in my arsenal of references in a way that Queen's Gambit. I can't. I couldn't. I can't see it making the cut. I think Netflix is like the SST records of prestige television. They're just pumping out so much stuff, and the branding is so strong. John, I don't know if you remember all the just absolutely crummy SST record albums that we bought back in high school. Because because SST had some good bands, some legendary bands, mm-hmm. they started pumping out so much content. They wouldn't have called it content back then because the concept didn't exist. But like <laughs> Swa and Zoog's Rift, like who's buying these Zoog's Rift albums? But you would just buy all this stuff because you knew the brand and it was like a strong brand. And then you look back on it. When I look at my record collection now, it's like, God damn, I think I haven't listened to some of these SST records since like 1990. Tom Trockley's dog? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> I think Netflix is the same way. I think prestige television has never been less prestigious. And I know that's a sick thing to say, but I'm going to say it. It's it's just fake. It's all fake. It's fake. It's all fake. Why aren't we discussing? We should be doing this for EPM Movie Club and not. But these are TV shows. But this is a gambling podcast, or it was. Queen's Gambling Podcast. Ooh. Ah. First of all, first order of business, now that our brief introduction is out of the way, we just wanted to thank all our $10 Patreon supporters who showed up last week for our virtual potluck. It was a lovely way to kick off this unusual holiday season. So many people baked casseroles and pies and and side dishes. Some people showed up with bountiful American cucumbers. Some people showed up with the finest wines and meads and drinks. And it was just a real heartwarming thing. And I still cannot get over my man who showed up with a bag of potato chips, ready to share them with all who wanted to sup upon his bag of potato chips. So thank you one and all. We might actually do some more such events in the future. So if you're interested in signing up for our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash election profit makers. As I mentioned, it was a kickoff to uh, what I think is going to be kind of a grim Thanksgiving aftermath guys, based on the um, assumptions about what's going to happen after all this Thanksgiving travel. How are you two, Starley and John, feeling about the COVID situation? Confused. Yeah. Yeah, not not great. There was a massive outdoor dance party up the street from me last night, and I did not know how to feel about it. Um, The context here is we're recording on a Monday morning. Starley and I live in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles is um, shutting down for three weeks, starting today. 
No more socializing. Many businesses closed. Don't goof off outside, basically. And last night, I think it might have been a pre-lockdown celebration. Um, I'm finding it. Um, I I wish they would help. I wish they would give money to people and to businesses. I, I if businesses have to shut down, they have to give them some money to not go out of business forever. Um, and I find I'm feeling insane <laughs> that it's just not even. I don't understand how they can get away with this. It's hard to believe that they're not just shooting the money cannon at everybody right now. Especially since we're so close. But that's what they're thinking. It's like, come on, just fund these businesses. Maybe you, maybe you think that's working against us. They're thinking, all right, we have this vaccine. We're not going to pay. Yeah. Yeah, we're almost out of the woods. We can get away with this. It's like when you have like a credit card bill you haven't paid and you know you have seven years, in seven years it'll drop off. They're thinking if we just make it to the vaccine, it'll eventually drop off. I think, I think the closer we get to hope, on Howard's trademarked hope, the more that they're thinking that they don't uh-huh. have to help anyone. I can't wait for Ron Howard's movie about Mitch McConnell's relationship to the killing stimulus packages in the COVID era. <laughs> yeah, the closer they get to a vaccine, the, maybe the less motivated they'll be to help anybody. I mean, we're be there. Like, yeah. we're, th- we're three weeks away. From the first, from the first, from from the first healthcare workers, or you know, right now they're arguing, is it going to go to healthcare workers? Initially, they said it would, but there are now some people that are saying uh, that they think it should go to elderly people in in these homes uh, that are at a high risk level. So they, ha- it's it's a messy situation right now as they're trying to determine who's going to get it first. But it really is a matter of weeks now for the first folks to, to start uh, getting it. Do you think Eric Trump's going to put old age makeup on <laughs> a la the End of Beautiful Mind and try to like stand in line at one of these <clears throat> retirement centers to get the first, one of the first Maybe. doses? John's thinking, Eric Trump, more like a beautiful mouth. Am I right? Everyone will remember <laughs> that when I asked John who would be a better kisser, Eric or Don Jr., John said without a moment's hesitation that Eric would be a better kisser than Don Jr. I, I don't think there was, I think there was some hesitation. It was, it was I, I don't remember a moment's hesitation. Mm-hmm. You answered as if you'd been waiting your entire life to answer that question on our podcast, as if it had haunted your thoughts and consumed your idle hours for years, deciding who was the better kisser. And then when the time came for you to make your public declaration, you said without a moment's hesitation, Eric Trump is the better kisser. I must kiss him, even if he's wearing old age makeup. I stand by it. Does Eric Trump walk with you always like the <laughs> hallucinations in A Beautiful wow. Mind? You're doing too many callbacks to A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> it's really mind. fresh. I, have, I can't remember. <laughs> the, the, the vaccines is really coming. And it's awesome vaccines. You know, according to Fauci, the efficacy is 94.5%, uh, even for people with severe COVID. So it's really good news that people can just hang on, wear their masks, be responsible for- Yeah, that's happening, John, obviously. A few more months. There must be a psychology to people not being able to hold on when you're so close. Yeah, it's going to be like the stimulus package argument. It's like, well, we're so close. Who cares if I get it now? And also, I've been at home for eight months. Like, let me go out. What a mess. Yeah, it's, it's been a mess. This really does feel like a failure of leadership. Wait. <laughs> that we don't... <laughs> no, that we don't even... We don't even... 
know how to collectively respond to the to this hope. Doesn't it feel like such a soft release, the news of the vaccine? What, the vaccine? Yeah, just knowing that it's that it's coming. I have very I have very complicated relationship to the vaccine. On the one hand, I think it's probably the rollout is probably just going to be a mess and people aren't going to get it for months and months. And who knows? They haven't done any longitudinal studies about this vaccine. (laughs) And then I have to admit a part of me way back in the back of my head is like, we don't fucking deserve this vaccine. We do not. We didn't earn this vaccine. Who earned this vaccine other than frontline medical workers? Mm -hmm. I think all medicines should be (laughs) doled out according to virtue. (laughs) Trader Joe employees. Yeah, exactly. Trader Joe's people get it. Doctors and nurses get it. Anyone who has to go deliver food for rich people who don't want to go grocery shopping, they get it. Teachers get it. Kids get it. Man, it's going to break my heart to see the Trump family and all those people get the vaccine and have a big press conference about how they invented the vaccine and see Ivanka holding up a test tube or whatever, like she's Madame Curie or whatever, you know? Melania decorating the White House for Christmas with just (laughs) vaccines. It's like hanging... Yeah, dripping like tinsel off the White House Christmas tree. And and I wonder, I wonder if all the people who have said COVID is fake and is a hoax and the people who are living in denial off the leadership of President Trump, it's a liberal Soros hoax, going into the hospital, literally dying of COVID while with their last breaths, still saying it's a hoax. I wonder what their relationship to the vaccine is going to be. They're not going to take the vaccine, right? The vaccine's not going to be mandatory. Yeah. They're not They're not coming with 100 yards of that vaccine. No, a lot of them won't. But won't we be protected from them? Yeah, I guess. It's just weird because I'm starting to feel like I felt about the Trump presidency. Like, I'm starting to feel in my mind like COVID is over because Biden is going to be the president and because the vaccine is on the horizon. COVID is over. COVID is so not over. It's so not over because of Thanksgiving, because everybody decided to fly every which way on Thanksgiving. I feel like these next few weeks are going to be so bountiful for COVID. COVID's not over. COVID's still got so much work to do. John, let's talk about Predict It, the website that we all love so much. A lot happened in this past week, actually. The dam started to break. The General Services Administration capitulated and began the process of transitioning to the Biden administration. And Biden has started announcing cabinet picks. So, of course, our first thought is let's go to predict it and look at these cabinet pick markets. Is there money to be made in the Biden cabinet? Well, wait, was John right about whether predict it was going to resolve all of it? Oh, no, the election. Did did predict it? Has, has who's president on according to predicted? <laughs> predicted is definitely in a quantum state right now where mm. Trump will always be president and yet Biden is going to be the next president in a couple months. Okay. Predicted, you can't look at predicted right now and get a coherent vision of reality. Right. Yeah. MAGA has not given up. Uh, predicted did close a few markets this week, they closed the popular vote market and the MAGA people lost their minds saying this is fraud and we're going to sue you. Uh, And that's probably why Predicted doesn't want to close some of these other markets. They did close the Senate market in Michigan, but they haven't closed any of the other state markets. And I guess that won't happen until the electors meet in December 14th. 
I want to give a piece of advice that's closely related to this that John gave me, and uh, alas, he gave it to me a little too late. It's something I had never thought of, but is very obvious in hindsight. When it comes to these markets, these markets that have not yet closed, even though all of reality dictates that they should close, we're talking about who wins what state. I got impatient with a lot of these markets after weeks of dilly-dallying and just cashed out sold at 90 instead of 99 or sold at 85 instead of 92. And then when I tried to get back in, because I realized, holy guacamole, these markets are still not resolved. They're still dumb money. And the people believing that Trump is going to win Georgia, I tried to get back in, but I couldn't because the market had reached its maximum amount of traders. I told John this and John said, this is why. Well, you tell them, John, you tell them what you told me. Yeah, you always need to leave an extra share. If you're, if you're trying to exit out of these markets, you always just need to leave a share so you can get back in. Because once you sell, another trader is going to jump in and take your place, and then it'll be at the 5,000-person limit. You sell all your shares except one share. Yeah. And that share is your little toehold in that market. If you ever want to get back in, you are still counted among the market investors. So what I do is a lot of times people will max out in those. But if you are in these markets and say you're just doing 100 shares and flipping them or whatever, just buy one extra share. So every time you're flipping 100, you've always got that one share that is staying in there. Always leave that extra share. What do you call that? The devil's share or... Um, Hail Satan. Who shows up at the Seder and you have to leave an extra plate for him or her? Starly. <laughs> Don't look at me. Elijah. You have to have a Elijah, leave a share for Elijah or something like that. All right. It feels very Old Testament to leave an extra share. I was asking Starly because she was the Moses expert. So <laughs> I think she would know. <laughs> Do you think that MAGA people are having like a beautiful mind moment when they're looking at uh, predict it? Like what they're seeing, they're making patterns out of non-reality. They're looking at predict it and it's, and it's glowing. Like the market are raising off the page and they're glowing. And then they're seeing. They got multiple screens, Newsmax, Gateway Pundit, uh, Breitbart. Um, Epoch. Epoch Times and predict it. And then they're just sort of mashing them all together. You know, maybe, maybe they'll get lucky and they'll get one. Which one are they going to get, John? Which one? I don't know. Let's say they do find, you know, an extra data card uh, that wasn't run in Georgia and somehow Trump does end up winning Georgia by one vote. I mean, I think the chances of that are like one in a million, but well, there's definitely no way Trump is going to win the presidency, but maybe they could get. Nah, I don't think they're going to get anything. They're not, man. They oh, just now I want him to get something. Trump spent three million dollars on a recount in Wisconsin, and Biden's vote count went up. Oh, yeah. What I wanted to say in my little speech to everybody, hello, everybody listening to this wonderful podcast, is me, Kid Midas. The Republican Party we saw this week. <laughs> I don't know how the Republican Party goes forward with elections. I mean, obviously, their goal now is to make everyone have voter ID so that they can combat, quote unquote, election fraud because this election was, quote unquote, stolen. Like this guy this dipshit in Texas, Dan Crenshaw, the guy with the eye patch tweeting about election integrity and how this election showed us about how we need voter ID and what is utter nonsense. If you ask Kid Midas, we had the chair of the RNC showing up in Georgia trying to get people to vote in this Senate election. And the Republicans are like, why should we vote in these elections? They just get stolen. They're in such a crazy position now. 
And it reminds me of a wonderful <laughs> phrase I heard once. You lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. I don't I don't like the slandering of dogs, but yes. Oh, Starly, you can't you can't be you have to admit some dogs have fleas. Some you dogs. have to admit some Not dogs all. have fleas. You lie okay, you lie down with a flea-ridden dog, you're gonna <laughs> you wake up with fleas. Right? So, so now some Republican voters, are, their takeaway is not to vote because it's all— Yeah, why vote? They're just going to steal the election. Or people are saying—the galaxy brain thing is some Republican voters are saying, yeah, I'm going to vote in these Georgia elections. I'm going to write in President Trump's name. I love it. For Senate. I love it. Oh. So predicted is coming around to reality. They are closing some markets. There are plenty of GOP politicians who still have not acknowledged that Biden won the election. But by, and Biden, I guess he was smart to not freak out about Trump's attempted Giuliani-led subversion of democracy or a coup or whatever you want to call it. Like Biden now is just like, yeah, okay, so um, I'm uh, totally going to be president. So, <laughs> gee, I guess I'll start assembling my cabinet. I agree with that. I think Biden did the best thing. That doesn't mean that other people can't look at the situation and and freak out at how close we may have come because potentially we did. Um or we will someday. I, I was never particularly worried that that a coup was going to uh, be successful, but the fact that it was even attempted is just not a good sign for the future. And then there was some erosion. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, this is it, nuts. It's is, crazy. There yeah. is. Yeah. Republicans refusing to acknowledge that Biden won the election because they don't want Trump to get mad at them. That's yeah. crazy. We have to acknowledge that. Uh, whether Biden acknowledges it or not uh, is one thing, but we we have to realize that something changed. And they're going to do this every time now. Every time. And they might get away with it if it's closer. Ugh. Yeah. It's just canon on the right that Democrats steal elections, and it has been for many, many years, but uh, never like at this level before, I think. Right. But was it canon because— not based on reality, just based on like a, a tactic. I think there are incidents on both sides of election, uh, you know, malfeasance in in the history of our country for sure. But no, in recent decades, there hasn't been anything remotely seen in terms of like widespread fraud on is particularly on a presidential level. And we wouldn't be the party that would be more likely to do it. Alas, no. I mean, it might be good for Democrats if if they did put the fear of God in them and were like, yeah, we hold so tightly to our principles and our goals. You, we might fuck around and cheat. Just watch. Everybody knows they're not going to cheat. Did enough Did enough Republicans capitulate to um, resolve John Kimball's capitulation prediction market? I think so. Really? But like the big guys didn't, right? The names. The headliners didn't. Um, did, I mean, has Mitch McConnell not called Biden president-elect? Probably not public. I'm sure he has in the background, but I bet he hasn't publicly. I'm sure he walks around his house calling him presidential-elect all night. I mean, a lot have in the past week. We saw a lot last week. And I think that it was the pressure from Republicans that probably got the GSA to finally succumb to reality. Saying, look, just get on with it. I can't imagine Ted Cruz ever publicly acknowledging that Joe Biden is the president. Mm -hmm. I just <laughs> three, can't see Three it. years from now, still. Yeah, no, seriously. He'll be like, well, you know, some people call him the president, but um, there was a lot of fraud. Mark my words. 
the day Ted oh <laughs> Ted Cruz oh oh when oh and Ted Cruz comes up all I can do is make sounds because I just see all the the video of him saying mark my words after the election I guarantee COVID is going to magically disappear no one is ever going to mention COVID again shave your beard you mm. do we need to talk about Biden's injury no Biden hurt himself playing with his dog. Biden is going to be falling apart throughout his presidency. So let's yeah. just get that duct tape ready. Let's get that gorilla <laughs> glue ready. Let's have all that stuff ready to go. That spray foam that seals cracks. Biden, we are going to we're going to keep you together, buddy. All right, let's talk about his his cabinet. Okay. Mm. His cabinet is being assembled. I I did some cabinet cramming last night. John's John's been putting stalling about talking about the cabinet. John <laughs> Did you not study? John got worried that he, he's not qualified to talk about the cabinet. Um, I didn't study that great, that much. Why don't I do this? Why don't we do a cabinet explainer like we're Vox.com, okay? Pretend okay. I'm Matt Iglesias or Ezra Klein. I'm one of these Vox nerds. I don't want you to be Matt Iglesias. Be Ezra Klein. And I'm so excited to talk about the cabinet. So why don't we do this before we invest? Because you shouldn't invest in things you don't understand. Let me go on Wikipedia and tell you who's in the cabinet. Here are the cabinet positions that Biden is going to be filling. Technically, the vice president is a cabinet position. We all know that that's currently occupied by Mike Pence, a.k.a. the human flycatcher. Soon it will be occupied by Kamala Harris. Then we have Secretary of State. That is currently Mike Pompeo. Then we have Secretary of the Treasury. Current occupant, my man and yours, Stephen Mnuchin. Coolest guy ever, posing with the money at the Mint. Secretary of Defense, right now we have an acting Secretary of Defense because Trump fires Secretaries of Defense so quickly that the world can't keep up. Christopher Miller, Attorney General, the one and only William Barr, who I think Trump this week accused of collaborating with the FBI to steal the election for Joe Biden. He did. I'm not really <laughs> sure about that, but when Trump turns on Bill Barr, I'm going to be stoked. <laughs> then we have Secretary of the Interior that deals with buffaloes and corn. David Bernhardt is the current occupant. Then the Secretary of Agriculture right now is the one and only Sonny Perdue of the wonderful Perdue family, whose chickens we all crave because the conditions in those factories are supposed to be just terrific. Next is Secretary of Commerce. And this is, I think, the most, this is probably the sexiest of Trump's cabinet members. Right now, that's Wilbur Ross. You might remember him from that anthology show called Tales from the Crypt. He hosted that. <laughs> Secretary of Labor, Eugene Scalia. Health and Human Services is Alex Azar. And then my favorite, of course, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. We got to shout out the original penny per share doctor, Dr. Ben Carson, is the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. He's still the... Still, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I made a bet about him, Starla. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Secretary of Transportation. Now, this one is interesting because this is currently Mitch McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow. And there's been a lot of uh, hullabaloo about, I don't know, she sent some money to Kentucky or something to help him or something sketchy. We're going to get back to Secretary of Transportation. Then we have a Secretary of Energy. And then we have everyone's favorite, Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, a hero to teachers and students alike. Mm -hmm. Give her the vaccine first. Yeah, exactly. Betsy DeVos more than anyone. What a terrific lady. And then we have a Secretary of Veterans Affairs and then Secretary of Homeland Security. The current Secretary of Homeland Security is another acting secretary, Chad Wolf, human idiot. Then there's a bunch of cabinet-level officials, but they're not technically in the cabinet, so I don't want to debase our cabinet discussion by bringing in these cabinet-level officials. Let's just really focus on the proper cabinet. Now, 
Biden is starting to announce these people, people who are going to fill his cabinet, along with his chief of staff and his comms team, can we say? And I have decided, guys, to be proactive. I've decided to buy in to some of these cabinet markets. And I would say this. Last night on Predicted, I searched cabinet. That's not the way to do it. Search secretary. Because on Predicted, the markets are phrased like, who will be the housing and urban development secretary on March 1st? Who will be the treasury secretary on March 1st? So search secretary instead of cabinet. And then remember that most of these markets will resolve on March 1st because Biden's cabinet appointments will be voted on by the Senate. And who knows the composition of the Senate in January? But my assumption is actually that the Republicans are probably going to just let through Biden's cabinet picks. I don't think they're going to stonewall on the cabinet picks. Why do you think that? Because his slate has been pretty middle of the road, non-controversial. Because shockingly, Biden has not drawn his cabinet nominees exclusively from the ranks of the DSA and the mm-hmm. hard left. Mm-hmm. As we all knew he would do, he's picking people like fucking Neera Tandon, centrist Dems who hate the left. And so I think it'll be hard for Republicans to, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're shameless. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who he nominates. If the Republicans decide it serves them to gum up his cabinet picks, they will. I just kind of feel like that by January... They're going to be like, fine, fucking get on with it so we can just start obstructing everything you do. He's picking a lot of people that he's worked with. Of course, yeah. He's picking old hands. Obama, Obama people. Yeah. I'm sure Pod Save America is going to be so, they're going to be the secretary of podcasting where he's so far up in Biden's cabinet. Although I did hear that the Biden team and the Pod Save America team don't like each other. I read the juiciest gossip about the internecine warfare between the team Obama and team Biden. And that's why it was so late until Biden came on the Pod Save America podcast. Oh, it was, it was the kind of deep background reporting that I savor when it comes to our rival podcasts. Mm-hmm. We had Biden. We had Biden so much earlier than they did on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanna, let me tell you about my cabinet positions that I've taken in the last 24 hours. Okay. There's two that I'm really, there's three that I'm in. One is who will be the secretary confirmed HUD secretary on March 1st. Ben Carson is is in the mix, obviously, because there is a situation in which he is still the secretary on March 1st if Biden can't get anyone else confirmed. Or Trump wins re-election. Or Trump wins re-election, right. So Ben Carson, no shares trading at 88 cents. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's free money. I'm pretty sure Ben Carson is not going to be the secretary of housing and urban development on March 1st, 2021. So I got in no on Ben Carson. It's been a long time since I bet on Ben Carson. Last time I bet on Ben Carson, I bet yes at a penny per share. Now I'm betting no at 88 cents per share. These markets are a perfect example of where you don't necessarily have to get the yes right. You can just make money on these no shares like Ben Carson. And there's others. Stephen Miller, Homeland Security Secretary on March 1st. Exactly. 91 cents right now. So you can just go across the board and and get a number of of these. It's a good negative risk play. At this point, people who invest and predict it should just plan on having some. Don't put any money in that you want to be using anytime soon. There's some long haul resolutions now and predict it. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. March isn't that far. It's not too far. And we only have um, lived through another. Six I don't think you know how long this winter is going to feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think we're going to be zipping through this winter. This is not going to feel like a turbocharged winter. Like, oh, that went by so fast. Oh my gosh, it's already spring. Think how long February feels during a normal winter. Oh God. Who's going to be the secretary treasury? I just bought into Janet Yellen. I was a total conventional wisdom follower on this. I bought yes at 82 cents. And where's she trading? She's now at 84. She seems fine. I'm into Janet Yellen. You could buy no and Steve Nuchin at 89 cents. But now the one, Starley, I wanted to talk to you about is- I know what you're going to say. You do? Transpo? I'm talking about Transpo. Yeah. Starley's boy right here. We have the two leading contenders for Secretary of Transportation. If you're on the left, these names make you so happy. And these men are your heroes. Rahm Emanuel and Los Angeles's Mayor Garcetti, the two leading contenders. Eric Garcetti, who is currently being, it's day seven of protests outside his house, protesting the idea of him getting uh, this cabinet position. You know you're really gaining when your city is lining up outside your house to try to block your ascension. A city that doesn't want you to be its mayor anymore. So, like, this would solve the problem of him being the mayor because he would then go be the transportation secretary and we never deal with him. But people also don't want him to... Get rewarded. De Blasio would be so jealous if Garcetti was the big city mayor who got to go to the White House. Is Garcetti worse than Rom? No. You know what? They were trading equally last night. They were tied. Rom Emanuel has dropped 18 cents. I'm getting in by no of Rom Emanuel. I think Rom Emanuel is just a bigger name and is more toxic to more liberals than Eric. Garcetti is. And Republicans probably too. Yeah, yeah, because of Obama. Rahm Emanuel, I would love to not be in this White House. I just bought no. I'm waiting for my offer to be accepted. Can it just be Mayor Pete? I'm sure he ran the- No, it can't, Starley. It can't be Mayor Pete because the first market I got into about all this stuff was betting no that Mayor Pete will never be in the cabinet. And I don't know why I did it. That was a good bet. But I was just like, Mayor Pete's not going to be in the cabinet. This is dumb money. Oh, I put in so much money and I've only made a dollar. He seems like he has like a train set or something. Like, I feel like he'd be <laughs> fine as that. But, I mean, he's like a mayor. Mayor Pete's never done anything, man. Who I cares? mean, I understand being mayor is a, is a hard job, but. What has Elaine Chow done? What did she do before this? She certainly doesn't know how to pick husbands. Oh! <laughs> Starly Khan out of pocket. Like her judgment is obviously in question. Uh-huh. And she seems like she likes Mitch McConnell. I did a deep dive of her one night, and like, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any strife between those two. I'm sure not. I think he's got a daughter. He's got some daughter who I think is maybe mad at him. But Elaine seems totally fine. All these guys have one daughter who's mad at them. <laughs> they all have that one daughter. <laughs> but there can only be one Claudia Conway. I mean, yeah. I'm doing a wish bet against Garcetti. You're betting no on Garcetti? I have to. I have to. I okay. really don't I really don't want it. But does that mean ugh, I, I see I personally am more upset about Garcetti, but that's probably I'm supposed to be as upset about Rom Emanuel, right? So see equally upset? Yes, you are supposed to be. If you're not equally upset, then you're fucking up your life. <laughs> so I have to do a wish bet against No, him. you take Garcetti, I'll take Emmanuel. I'll okay, bet against okay. Emmanuel, and you bet against Garcetti. Okay. Man, the photo they have for Rahm Emanuel on Predict It is truly ghoulish. He is looking really wild. I don't know who's going to be the transportation secretary. Golly, that's a hard one to call. 
I think Rahm, with Rahm Emanuel, it was like, well, he's got to be in the White House, but we can't give him anything important, so we'll give him transportation secretary. I kind of imagine Rahm Emanuel's ego. I mean, would he take that? I feel like there's another argument for betting no. Didn't Rahm Emanuel do, do a deal with Elon Musk to build some tunnel in Chicago, some ridiculous— I feel like that should be immediately disqualifying. Anyone, exactly. who, anyone in a municipal position who tried to make a deal with Elon Musk— the Martian dipshit, that should disqualify you from being in the White House. I mean, come on. I think so. All of, all, all of this should be disqualify people. Everything should disqualify people. <laughs> that's, a, that's a severe... No, Rahm Emanuel should be disqualified many times over for many different flavors and types of disqualification. Particularly police issues. Oh, no, he's been pretty good on police issues, John. I, th- I don't think he knows what you're talking about. He's, <laughs> he's pretty popular when it comes to police issues. But Garcetti's pretty popular when it comes to police issues, yeah, too. Yeah, he did a good job, too. I think the last protest I went to was a, was in front of Garcetti's house. This was the best protest here. It's, it's a protest to be. because the neighborhood is nice. It's like, wow, this is a pretty nice place to have a protest. Like, pretty Tony neighborhood. So those are my positions right now. Yellen, yes, for Treasury. Dr. Ben Carson, no, for Housing and Urban Development. Mayor Pete, no, for any position. And Rahm Emanuel, no, for Transportation Secretary. I honestly don't know how much energy, and I mean, I guess a lot of people are wondering the same thing. I don't, I mean, like, I'm not a fan of Neera Tandon, okay? She's, she's, she seems like one of those centrist Democrats who really dunks on the left wing of the party and... She shut down the Center of American Progress when they tried to unionize. She just seems lame. On the other hand, it's like, I don't know how much energy to put into hating the people that Biden picks for his cabinet. I mean, I guess I should call Biden and tell him I don't want Rahm Emanuel in the cabinet. I'm not sure how to register my displeasure. When I was looking at, I was looking at Obama's cabinet, there were, there were obviously some names I recognized, but there were some that I, like, barely recognized and it made me realize just how just how much of a clown show Trump's cabinet is. When everyone in your cabinet is famous. Everyone you list I have <laughs> I I'm I, I, I can like put a face to. I can tell you exactly what corruption they were up to. It's a real ensemble cast over there in Trump's White House. Totally. It's like Mad Men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what we want is more of a two hander. Biden and maybe the Secretary of State can be famous and that'll be it. Although people don't like what's his name either. Oh, fuck a duck, John. I don't know. What do you think about all this? I'm just, uh, you know, going to go no on the obvious ones. Um, But I got to tell you, I'm not liquid enough to get into any of these markets right now because I'm still- Get out of your other markets, man. You st- What are you still in? The presidential election market? Uh, I mean, I could put more money in, but- at this point, I'm risking something happening to predict it and losing my money. What do you mean? Like it, it, go, it going under? Yeah. <gasps> Is that going to happen? I, I don't think so. They still haven't tweeted. Still? Really? Oh, they're going under. They're going under. They still haven't tweeted? That's incredible. So apparently they did this in 2018 too, after the midterms where they had a bunch of terrible problems. And then they didn't tweet for uh, several weeks after that as well. So... This is is not out of the ordinary for them. I don't think they're going under. I think they're going to take the money and run. Oh, heist of the century. Ocean's 11 over at Predict It. Predict It's 11. I don't think they'll do that. I bet they would get in massive amounts of trouble. With who? Trump pardoning Flynn. That was exciting this week. I lost money on that. 
That was another market where I lost money. I don't understand why. I don't know, Starly. I just thought for some reason that, so the market was phrased. I'll tell you what the, how it was phrased and why I decided to hop in. The market was, will Trump grant clemency to Michael Flynn in his first term? And I bought no at 14 cents. Now it's at two cents. So I lost money. I lost money on that. And I kind of just thought like, like, okay, why wouldn't Trump pardon Flynn? Because it would be an admission of guilt. It would look bad. Maybe his advisors would tell him not to. Maybe he would forget. You know, he's just distracted. And also it's cheap, you know, 14 cents, you know, have a little fun for 14 cents. And then lo and behold, yeah, Trump turned around and he pardoned Michael Flynn. And Michael Flynn is like one of the guiltiest dudes of all time. This is a brazen pardon, okay? And it's not like pardoning Dinesh D'Souza because Dinesh D'Souza gave too much money to political right. campaigns. No, this like, is a clear Michael, abuse of power. This is like, this is like pretty bad. This is like a real quid pro quo that involves like hostile foreign governments and lying to the FBI. Like it's pretty incredible. Lying to the FBI about Trump. Lying to the FBI twice about Trump. And then Trump turns around and pardons you. And then goes on Twitter and says, your family is going to have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> I hate to say it. I think Trump is corrupt. I mean, I really do. I think the corruption in this administration is pretty bad. I don't understand what made you think he would stop short of that. I don't, I don't. All right, here's, here's, here's my, here will be my hot take prediction. I think Trump will not pardon himself. That's the market, self-pardon. I've agonized about getting in that market. I've I agonized. Thought you were in, I thought you were in that one. No, I'm in all the other crazy ones. I'm in will Trump complete his first term. You're in Pence resigning. And will Trump resign? What what are what are the consequences for him doing whatever he wants? Starly, what? I know it sounds crazy, and I know this makes me sound like an <laughs> idiot who does not learn from history and has no understanding of Trump. But my, my my rationale is, but God, that would just make him look so bad. Yeah, sure, bad look. do that. Like bad I still look. have, I still have part of my mind that treats him like a normal human. Do you know what I me mean? Me too. Yeah, it's just like why? But if he pardons himself, that would just look so sketchy, and it might not work. What, what what's not working look like now? He, <laughs> he he didn't he didn't concede the president. He's a yeah. loser, and he'll who never won't. concede. He'll never concede. So you think he will pardon himself? I think he'll do whatever he feels like doing. I don't just just no rational uh, reasoning that can be applied to him not doing something. Why wouldn't he pardon himself? Is that going to make him not go to jail? So, Starly, here's the market. Will Trump pardon himself in his first term? During his first term, President Donald Trump shall grant a pardon to himself for one or more criminal offenses, charges, or convictions. Such pardon will be considered to have been granted only if Mr. Trump himself appears on the official list of presidential pardons. <laughs> I'm buying no. That's so crazy. There's no way that's going to happen. Does someone have to nominate him to be on that list or put him on that list? He has to put himself on, the, on his own list. <laughs> True, he would do that. I could, that's not a problem. Just like writing his name on a list. But then somebody from the DOJ has to, you know, do the website update. That, it's that just untoward. It's untoward, Starly. He's not going to do it. It's simply too untoward. And what would the crime be? Impeachment? Like the... 
that he be pardoning himself from being impeached? What is he pardoning himself pardon himself for everything, just a blanket just pardon. Just for, for anything. But it wouldn't work for anything. In, it wouldn't work for state markets. How about tax evasion? Does it pardon him from that? I don't think you can preemptively pardon yourself from stuff you haven't been charged with yet. That's the other thing. It's like, what would he be pardoning himself for? Right. That's like, what I. That's what crime? I'm wondering. Is it if it's not a, if it's not a pass for the future? If it's not a get out of jail free card for the future, then then I would I'm leaning towards no. Actually, yeah, right. But exactly. there's no reason I'm not leaning. I'm never. I would never say no because he's, because he because because it's beneath his dignity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just it wouldn't help him. Like it doesn't work. All right. Here's one example where Trump did something that really surprised me that was not uh, something I would ever imagine him doing. And it was when he came out after he decided he was going to run and he had a press conference and he announced that Barack Obama was born in America. Remember that? No. Did he do that? Yeah, he did that. He did that. That's all he said. And it was clear that they had said to him, you can't run for president if you're going to still walk around doing birtherism. You need to come out and acknowledge that Obama was born in America because it would be a bad look. So that that may be the exception to the rule. But I feel like now we're like Howard Hughes walking around in Kleenex boxes on his feet. Like the mm-hmm. stakes seem. Except he says he wants to run again, Starley. He says he wants to run I again don't think in twenty twenty four. I think it's all about the media, the media network. But I don't think any of that media stuff is gonna gonna happen because he can't run a media company. My hot take is there will be no media empire. I, there will be no media empire, and he will not run again in twenty twenty four. That's my new hot take. I just decided. And this, t- this hot take is piping that. hot, spicy hot. But in his mind, the media empire is what he w- thinks he's going to be doing more than running for president again. I think when he thinks about running a media empire, he thinks, well, I mean, I would be on TV a lot and I could make a lot of money. He's not going to, what do you think he's going to like run a media empire? He's not going to run shit. I mean, that's what he thought about the presidency and he wasn't wrong. Right. But the, o- I, the only way he runs a media empire is if he buys Fox which he can't do, and Fox isn't going to sell. So he runs a third-rate media empire like uh, OAN or Newsmax. They do a licensing thing just like with, just like with real estate. They, OAN just rebrands as Trump Network, pays him for his name. But he won't want to do that. To be the third-rated cable network, news network, or fourth-rated, he's not going to do that. That's, his ego won't be able to handle that. Or he becomes a YouTube star. Which I I could see happening. Maybe he'll be like Keith Raniere and he'll get some heiresses to help fund his next his next phase. I would like to see Trump play volleyball. <laughs> Do you think Donald Trump has ever played volleyball? Yeah, there's video of it. In fact, uh, what are you serious? Yeah. Who's better? Is Trump at volleyball or Obama at bowling? Yeah, I would say Obama is a worse bowler than than Trump playing volleyball. Wow. He really is playing volleyball. I asked that question to be so silly and fun. And lo and behold, here are photos of Donald Trump playing beach volleyball in blue jeans. He's, wait, hold on. He's playing in his socks. Hold on a no, second. No, he's not playing well. He's not playing well, but he's still playing better than, than Obama bowling. I think you might need to run, you run less or something in volleyball. There was When I was watching The Vow, I was like, there's a reason he chose, Keith Ranieri chose volleyball. Because it, it must be a s- sport that's suited to people who 
aren't naturally good at sports. And also th- who want to hold court mm. to make a pun, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. stand around and pontificate in between. You can't really do that if you're playing football. Swimming. The only listener question we got this week is interesting, and I debate whether to bring it up. I don't want to sour the spirit of our beloved podcast, but we got an, another donation, a $100 donation to a voting rights org. A listener Ben Z wrote in and said he realizes the ban wars are over, but he wants to ban this TV show called, it's on HBO, it's called How To with John Wilson. You guys heard of this show? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. People like it. Why is he banning that? Not- because. Oh, I know why. I you know, know why, why, Starly. And for those of you who know about my famous. Loyalty. Television career. For some fans of my old show, this is cutting a little close. So I said, you know what? I've heard good things about this show, How To with John Wilson. Let me pop onto HBO. This is me talking to myself last night. Mm-hmm. And, watch the, and watch the episode. And I have to tell you guys, I hated it. I, honest to God, Ooh. hated it. For many reasons, but we can wait to discuss it on the next installment of our Showbiz Recaps. We've talked to Queen's Gambit. We've been the definitive definitive source for all your Queen's Gambit analysis because Staria and I both watched the first 20 minutes of the pilot <laughs> and John watched the whole thing. And we analyzed Hillbilly Elegy. Woo! We problematized that text within an inch of its life. Next up is... HBO show How To with John Wilson. I will be very intrigued, Starly. Very, very intrigued to see what you make of it. And and you're and you're not and your dislike is is how much percentage is that it steps on your territory. I really I I don't want to say anything because okay, all okay. my all my it. assumptions okay, okay. about the show were completely completely challenged. But I did start to concoct, as a result of watching it, a new theory. And I know the showbiz industry goes wild when Kid Midas has a new showbiz theory. But I think about it in terms of this show, Nathan Fielder's show, Nathan For You, and then that show called Joe Para Talks to You. There is a new style of deliberately awkward white guy cringe hosting. And I'm ve- I'm very intrigued to share my theory with the listeners of this podcast, but I'm going to wait until we've all had a chance to watch a little bit of How To with John Wilson, because I think this theory is incendiary, and I think it speaks to deep truths in this current moment in which we find ourselves. I'm a big fan of Nathan Fielder's show. Just Interesting. Big fan. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure I am, but we're going to save it. We're going to save it, ladies and gentlemen. Especially the 75-minute series finale. Of course, and that's exactly— I, I have my whole, And I, I have my whole theory about that, too. And I have my whole theory about that, too. So we're just, we're just going to—we're going to zip it for now. Okay. But we would like to start answering questions again. So if you have questions about the post-election landscape when it comes to predict it or about John's choice of automobile— um, you can write us, contact at electionprofitmakers.com. We always love getting feedback. You can also communicate with us via our Patreon account if you would be so kind to support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Your home for long-distance potluck dinners. I'm calling that dinner a total success. When Beckett showed up and he had Joe Biden's face as his background, it was like boss move. 
of all time. Yeah, that was great. John, what are you looking at for next week's action as we survey the news landscape in this unprecedented era? I'm looking at uh, certification in these final states and um, hoping that some market gets closed before the electors actually meet on the 14th, but I, I don't, I'm not predicting that. And Rudy is giving a fake hearing in the Ramada Inn in Phoenix uh, right now. He's just out having fun. Yeah. I mean, they're not even filing lawsuits anymore. Their lawsuits are still being filed by, by Sidney Powell, uh, who is an <laughs> absolute true believer. I mean, she's lost her mind. Um, Rudy, I don't think, is filing lawsuits anymore. He's just doing this for show. It's our boy, Rudy. Addicted to the spotlight, Rudy Giuliani. I'm just out here having fun with the slime on my forehead and dripping down my temples at this Romada Inn lobby. I'm a lawyer. My name is Rudy. I'm America's mayor. I'm a tower of strength. Boop, boop. Hands down my pants in the Borat movie. Awkward. Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> king of America. Uh, that's, his, that's his ringtone. Um, I don't know. Anything else? Damn pal. Alex Bach. Rich Corson. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. I've already mentioned our Patreon. I've already mentioned our email address. So I will simply say that Election Profit Makers still seems to have a deal with Predictit.org. So if you want to get into some of these markets, go to Predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. You'll receive up to $20 in matching funds for your investing. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show. We have an announcement to make about another podcast called Make My Day with Josh Gondelman, an enjoyable podcast. They're actually going to do a live stream show on December 3rd, right around the corner. Comedy game show where guests get points for trying to cheer up the host. That's old sad sack Josh Gondelman. They're trying to cheer him up. Guests for the show include Gary Goldman, very funny, Emmy Blotnick, oh, I, I know her, she's very funny, and more. And a portion of every ticket sale will go to Fair Fight to help protect voting rights. We all know about Fair Fight here at Election Profit Makers. So go to littlefieldnyc.com. That's littlefieldnyc.com for tickets and more info. To reiterate, this is Make My Day with Josh Gondelman, the famous podcast doing a live stream show on December 3rd. Buy a ticket, laugh, and support a good cause. That is our command to you. So I'm David, and I say goodbye to all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.